Welcome to the Wife Mother Homemaker Podcast, where I talk about biblical principles and practical applications for women. I am Gina Bain. You are listening to the third part of a series titled Living the Blessed Life, where we are studying the first chapter of Psalms. Stay tuned. I think you're going to be blessed. Hey, ladies, welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're with me today. We are continuing our study in Psalm chapter one. And today we're transitioning into the conduct of the happy man. So just to get you caught up. And by the way, if you have not been uh, tuning in and listening to this series, I encourage you to go back and listen to the previous two episodes and uh, just get you caught up. But you can definitely start here and revisit those later. Um, I'm glad that you're with me today. When we are talking about living the blessed life, that title came from the first chapter of the book of Psalms, the very first line. It says, blessed is the man. And blessed, the Hebrew word for blessed, is simply happy. So we are talking about a happy individual, and we've been talking about characteristics that that individual will not have. That's what we talked about last time. And they will not uh, think like other people. They will not live their lives like other people, and they will not talk like other people. And so, you know, a lot of people are, I think sometimes uh, the, the, the Christian life gets this, um, the stereotype of, you know, the, the Christian life is just a bunch of legalistic rules. It's a bunch of things that you cannot do. And it's a turnoff sometimes. But the truth of the matter is the Christian life is all about a relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. And from that, there are just some things that we are not going to want to do. And if, if we're really going to live a happy Christian life, we're going to look different and there are going to be some things that we are constrained. We constrain ourselves from doing because we are simply in love with our Lord. But today we're talking about the conduct. So we're transitioning from the things that a happy man will not do. Now we're talking about what this happy man will do. And it involves everything about our lives. Every part of our life will be saturated with this one thing, and that is the word of God. Let me read our scripture. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So, Right there at the beginning of verse two, we have the word, but we are transitioning from what a happy man does not do to what he does do. And it says his delight is in the law of the Lord. So if we are delighting in the law of the Lord, that means that we are desiring his word. We are longing for it. It becomes uh, something that we heavily seek after and it becomes first place in our life. It becomes our way of living and everything that we do is centered and focused on uh, knowing the word of God 
and and we're going to talk about all this as we get in through today. But it just becomes our our everything, our way of living, and we delight in it. It brings us joy. It makes us happy. So the law, um, the the Hebrew word that's used for law here, is talking about teaching or instruction of the Lord. Sometimes when you see the word law in our English translation, it's talking about the Ten Commandments or the first five books of the Bible. But the word law that's used here is just a general term for the teaching or instruction of the Lord. So for us, for Christians living in uh, in today, what we're talking about, the law of the Lord, is the entire book from the entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, the Old Testament and New Testament, all of it combined, that is the law of the Lord. It is our scripture. It is everything that God wants us to know is right there in the pages of our Bible. And so that is our delight. So the next line of our scripture says, and in his law, he meditates day and night. So when we meditate if 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 the bible is god's law and we are to take great joy and delight and long and seek after it what does it mean to meditate upon the word of god most of the time when people are using the word meditate today we have this idea of of really pagan meditation. It's almost like they have taken over that word and they've warped our uh, thinking when we're talking about meditating upon the law of the Lord. We um, we have this idea many times of meditation uh, clearing our mind. Or you may even picture somebody, you know, sitting cross-legged with their palms up and making a moaning sound. Or you might even think of um, meditational music. Uh, There are counselors who recommend to people, you know, have you tried meditation to combat stress? And they um, say, you know, just go somewhere and clear your mind or listen to meditational music. But that is not what we're talking about here in uh, in Psalm chapter one. This type of meditating means to ponder or muse over something. So it's not necessarily clearing our mind, but it's focusing our mind on the word of God. The literal meaning of this word meditate means to mumble to oneself. Now that may seem kind of funny, but when when we're thinking of mumbling to ourselves, it would be like the scripture being on our tongue, and we're teaching it and preaching it to ourselves throughout the day because we're meditating upon it. It's in our heart and it's on our tongue. Um, we, we can memorize scripture. So biblical meditation is having that delight, longing for and, and desiring scripture, and then it's thinking on the scripture. So when we're reading it, we're, we're studying it and we're thinking on it throughout the day. So if you start your day with Bible study and prayer, whatever you've read that day, just be thinking on it throughout the day as you're driving down the road. Um, 
anytime that you've got a moment to just turn your thoughts and meditate upon what you read, because the the word of God is life. It is living. It is powerful. And uh, it will instruct us in everything that um, everything that we do. And then memorizing scripture. Uh, there's multiple ways to do this. And, you know, a lot of people like to write it on note cards and stick it on their uh, bathroom mirror so they see it when they're getting ready. You can do this with your kids. Kids are great at memorizing. So take advantage of it. They're probably, our kids are probably better at memorizing stuff than what we are. So include them with you somehow. Like um, we have some Bible memory books. I can't think of the name of them right off, but um, they already have scripture selections and it's divided out by age or grade level. And so the younger ones have smaller scripture to memorize. And then, of course, as they get older, the passages get longer. And uh, we have chosen to do that from time to time because kind of takes the thinking out of it for me the somebody's already selected some scripture and we just learned that together so that meant that we were starting with the shorter selections and as a family we memorized that scripture so however long it took us to do it that's how long we spent on that and then we would move on to another and then occasionally come back and review um so we and we would do this when we would eat breakfast together so whatever time of day I'm just throwing this out there as just, you know, to give you an idea that you might want to try in your home. But whatever time of day uh, that you find is easiest to gather your family uh, around the table or in the living room, whatever, uh, even going down the road, if you have a reader uh, in your home, then they can be looking at it and and sort of be the leader while you're driving and everybody try to pitch in and memorize that scripture together. So it can be done and it doesn't have to be hard. You do it in bite-sized pieces. Uh, so I'm just giving you some ideas because sometimes we think, oh, memorize the scripture. That's got to be so hard, but you can make it fun, uh, even offer rewards for your children. You know, there are many different ways and. Um, involving our children in it, they'll help hold you accountable as well to memorize that scripture. But when we fall in love with God's word, we're going to want to think on it. We're going to want to memorize it. And we're always going to want to keep that scripture in our minds and on our tongues. Let me give you some scripture that talks about uh, the word of God on our mouth and on our heart. Joshua 1 verse 8, the Lord is talking to Joshua. So Moses has just passed away and the leadership has transitioned from Moses to Joshua. And God is giving Joshua the charge, the command to take leader. And he's telling him, you know, be, uh, be courageous and uh, I'm going to be with you. And in Joshua 1 8, the Lord said to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So the foundation that Joshua had to have was 
the word of God, all the law that he had up to that point that God had given Moses, Joshua, ex, uh, Mo, excuse me, God expected Joshua to continue in that word. And he said, do not let it depart from your mouth. So depart, the Hebrew word means to withdraw. So if we take the phrase, do not let it depart from your mouth, it means never stop speaking it. Never stop speaking the word of God. Now, Joshua was a leader. He was over the children of Israel. Ladies, those of us who are mothers have little ones underfoot, children growing up, they will become adults one day. Right now, they are entrusted in our care, and it is imperative that the word of God not depart from our mouth. That that almost sounds like on the surface, keep quiet and don't speak it, but it actually means the opposite. It means that we should be continually speaking it. So we should be continually speaking God's law, God's instruction that comes from his word. We should be continually speaking that to our children. We should be continually speaking it to our husband as we are encouraging him. As we are loving and serving our families, the word of God should ever be on our hearts and on our tongue. It will change the way that we parent if we do. Even when we are disciplining our children. If we are desiring the word of God and we're reading and studying it and we're meditating upon it and we're memorizing the scripture, then when we are disciplining our children, the Holy Spirit brings something to mind from his word that will be applicable to the situation that you're dealing with. I've had this happen numerous times in my parenting journey. And not just in my parenting journey, but with everything that I encounter. And it's amazing that the more that I read and the more that I grow and understand about the God that I serve and love, the more that he brings the remembrance of his word to mind, applicable to whatever situation it is that I'm going through. There have been times in my daily Bible reading that I will be reading something and I'll think, but this is not really applicable to me. Like this is just something that happened a long time ago and God did great things there and that's great. But how does this apply to me right now in this century? And then something will happen. Weeks, maybe a year later, and I'll think back You know, I remember reading about how God handled a situation with the children of Israel or whatever. Sometimes just things that we might think are a little boring at the time. And then when it happens and it clicks and I understand it, I'm just like, thank you, Lord. 
And it spurs something inside my heart that I just, I love him even more and I love his word even more. And I continually desire it more and more because the sweeter it becomes, the more I read, the sweeter God becomes to me. The sweeter his word is, the more relevant it becomes, the easier it is to read it because my understanding grows. So if we look at Joshua 1.8, and God told him that the book of the law should not depart from his mouth, then we can contrast that with our modern idea of meditation. If it's not to depart from our mouth, but we are to meditate on it day and night, the meditation upon God's word, it's a feeling It's filling our hearts and our minds with everything that God says. It's not emptying it out. But as we fill our lives with the word of God, we get to empty out the bad stuff. Because all the lovely and pure and good and righteous things will be filling our minds. In his law, he meditates day and night. So when you lay down on your bed at night, are you going to continually think about God's word? Well, day and night here is what we call a mirrorism. A mirrorism is a figure of speech which references contrasting parts to refer to the whole. Day and night, that encompasses all of time. That is everything. So yes, we should be meditating upon God's word all the time, not just on Sunday morning, not just in our quiet time when we wake up in the morning, but all day long, all day long. And when we go to bed at night, thinking on his word, when we wake up in the morning thinking on his word and all throughout the day we're thinking on God's word it will change our life and we will be a happy person that's living the blessed life thinking on it all the time Deuteronomy 29:29 Moses is speaking to the children of Israel, and he said, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. You want to know how to live righteously? You want to know how to constrain yourself? like verse one of this chapter said, you want to know how to think and walk and live and speak differently? You have God's word. And God has told us and taught us everything that he wants us to know. It said the secret things belong to him. God is all knowing. But he has chosen to reveal to us the knowledge and the wisdom that we need for holy living here. 
In the next chapter, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, he said, For this commandment which I command you today, it's not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. And in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Can we live by God's word? Yes, because we can know what God's word says. It's near us. God has given it to us. Everything that we need, he's given it to us. It is near us. But how many times do we neglect it because we don't take the time to pick it up. We don't live by it because we don't know what it says, because we haven't read it, because we haven't truly fallen in love with the Word of God. But happy is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. The scripture that I just read to you from Deuteronomy 29 and Deuteronomy 30 is echoed again in the New Testament in Romans 10, 8 through 10. It's probably familiar to you. It says, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You see, God's word and the word of faith, which Paul was preaching in his time, it is good for salvation, and it is good for righteous and happy living. Ladies, thank you for joining me today. I hope that this has just encouraged you today to remember how important God's word is in our life. And it is sufficient for everything. I cannot stress that enough. And it truly is the secret, if you will, to a happy life. Living the blessed life is revolves all around the word of God. I hope you'll join me next time as we talk about what this happy man is going to be like. We've talked about the constraint. We've talked about the conduct. And then next time, we're going to get into the consequence of uh, his life as he chooses to not do and to do the things that uh, he does. Uh, We're going to continue to apply this to our life and then pray over our husband's So uh, thanks again for listening and join me here next time.